vicious hip. How about that? With the second pick in the 2011 NFL Draft, the Denver Broncos select Von Miller, linebacker, Texas A&M. He's the greatest ever, huh? And then I just wanted when you got all the advantages. Welcome to the Aggie War Pod, a product of the Republic of Football Podcast Network and Dave Campbell's Texas Football. I am your co-host, Mike Craven, senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. The other voice you'll hear on this podcast is a barbecue-eating machine who won't shy away from a road trip or an off-key rendition of Creed. The former fighting Texas Aggie defensive lineman arrived in College Station as a three-star prospect back in 2013. He now resides in Houston, but his heart never left. Ladies, gentlemen, Reveille, I present the one, the only, Jay Arnold. Man, Mike, at some point I need to come up with an intro for you that that really does it justice. No, uh, no, 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 no. This is for you, sir. You're the star. <laughs> I, I'm the I'm the mouthpiece. I'm I'm uh I'm the manager. I'm the wrestling manager, right? You are the wrestler. I am the Paul Heyman uh, of go. this thing. You are the Roman Reigns. Um, you're the head of the table, my friend. Um, on this episode, <laughs> we will talk about Texas A&M's beatdown of Louisiana Monroe. Uh, we'll spend more time previewing the upcoming Week 4 clash against Auburn to start the SEC season. Uh, and fourth down, we will talk, uh, ask Jay, ask some questions. We'll also talk about where we went this last weekend, where we're going to go this upcoming weekend. Um, so we're kind of at the meat of it, right? Like the appetizers are gone. The non-conference schedule is out of the way. Uh, we are at the... Uh, the good part of the hog, as our friends at Split Zone Duo talk about eating eating the whole hog, we are at the at the at the part that everybody wants to eat right now, going into conference play. Uh, before we get started, uh, please rate, review, subscribe, share, friend, all that fun stuff. Uh, at the Republic of Football, we have podcasts for all thirteen different FBS teams in the state of Texas. Uh, for our, our our sponsorship is by Homefield Apparel. Uh, you can use promo code WHOOP, W-H-O-O-P, and get 15% off your first order at Home Field Apparel. A lot of good stuff coming up this week. A lot of good stuff there. Plenty of Aggie gear uh, to go get. So if you need a refresher on or just a new wardrobe, go to Home Field Apparel and use promo code WHOOP. All right, Jay. Texas A&M beats ULM 47-3. It was 27-3 at, at the half. We kind of talked about uh, this week just not playing with your food, going out there, uh, being the better team, getting a win, bounce back from that Miami loss. How do you think the boys did uh, on those accounts on Saturday? Uh, I mean, for the most part, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with how they came out and, and, and took care of business. Uh, obviously, it can be hard to to keep your head up and, and stay disciplined uh, coming off of what was a, a performance they're probably not happy with. Uh, but one of the things that jumps out to me right away, right, is is the secondary limiting the big plays from ULM. Uh, you know, obviously that was a, a big issue, and and I'm not saying it's fixed by any means, but uh, it seems like they stepped up and, and performed better uh, on on Saturday against ULM, and uh, you know, and then Connor Wegman just coming right back out and, and picking up where he left off. Uh, I think he's, if I'm being 100 percent honest, I think he's the most dynamic. Uh, passer and, and quarterback that AM has had on roster since since Johnny Manziel, uh, if I'm being honest. Now, you can get into Kyler Murray and what Kyler Murray did at OU, but I, I don't think Kyler was there yet. Sure. Uh, so, I mean, 
like there's a lot there's a lot to get into as far as conference play and, and how AM is gonna look in conference play, but I think they did everything that they needed to do uh coming out against ULM in, in week three. To your point, ULM only 95 yards passing, uh, averaged 4.1 yards a rush, but only had one longer than 20, uh, two sacks, three tackles for loss. Your, your boy Malik Silla uh, with a sack there. Shamar Turner also got one. Uh, but, yeah, for me, this was, this was again, about Connor Wegman. Uh, 25 of, uh, of 39, 337 yards, one touchdown, also had a rushing touchdown. That's hard to do against air. You know, we can yeah. say whatever we want about Louisiana Monroe. That, I mean, that's hard to do in skeleton. Uh, just against you know nobody, and so that was that was impressive. The running game was also pretty good. Three, 33 rushes for 158 yards, three touchdowns. I think it's safe to say at this point, A and M's not going to be this super explosive running team. Uh, but if they can be consistent, run the ball when they need to, get those tough yards, and then you know get them in second and five, second and six at times. I think that's enough. And also, I don't know how you feel about this, but I, to me, the screen game is the extension of the run game. And so if that short passing game with a nice Smith, Evan Stewart, where you just you get those free yards on the outside. I count that as a run. So I think AM's okay running the football. Uh Anaya Smith had a had a big game back. It's kind of his first big game uh, of the season. Seven catches, 127 yards. Jade Walker uh, had a bigger role because of, of Noah Thomas, Evan Stewart being out. He had five catches for 110 yards uh in that first quarter touchdown. So uh, a really good performance by the offense. I don't know how much we can grade the offensive line. Uh, but I agree with you. I mean, I, I think Connor Wegman, not only is he not a reason you're going to lose football games, I don't even think he's a net, like, even. I, I think he's a reason you're going to win football games. Like, I, I think he's a plus for you at the quarterback position. And in modern football, um, that's a big deal. I'll take it a step further. Not only do I agree with you that Wegman is probably the best just arm talent skill passer that AM's had um, since since Johnny, he may be the best quarterback in the damn SEC. Uh, and so like, just with like, I mean, who, who's better right now. And so, uh, I think A&M has a really good quarterback room relative to what's going on in the sec. Uh, and I think that gives them a chance to win a lot of games if they can figure out the other stuff. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, is, uh, Connor has weapons around him. Right. Uh, and I think that's something that, you know, as A&M, maybe the offensive line struggles and, you know, Bryce Foster is out. Uh, Martin Abu ends up starting at, at center uh, due to the injury there. Uh, but as the offensive line kind of tries to get their bearings, maybe it, it, it leans on those, some of those quick passes. Like you talk about the screens counting the, in the run game. Uh, maybe that's just kind of what AM needs to lean on to get the run game going. But I will say, uh, I know we've talked about it like leading up to the season. And it's been something that we've kind of harped on, uh, that this backfield was going to be kind of a trio of backs. Mm-hmm. And as the season starts to go on, uh, you're going to see a guy and then Ruben Owens kind of take over the lion's share. Uh, I, I'm almost ready to start seeing that happen now, just because I feel like how you talk about Connor Wegman being a net positive and a guy that's going to win you games. Ruben Owens feels like a guy in the backfield that just is going to get you gains on the field in the run game. Uh, when maybe some of the other guys can't. And I think Amari Daniels and Le'Veon Moss are both super talented. And don't don't get me wrong on that. I just think Ruben Owens is one of those special players uh, that can do things with the ball in his hand that that maybe the other two guys can't. I agree with you. I wonder, I mean, I would imagine the coaches see that too. I guess with the young running backs, I always wonder like, do they know the whole playbook? How are they at pass protecting? Like those little things that we don't see because they don't put them in those situations. Like, is he capable yet 
of playing 50, 60 snaps because of those other little things. I, you would hope that he's he's getting there, uh, you know, as conference play gets going, because he's clearly like your most explosive running back and, and the guy that can that can be a game changer there. Uh, even out of the backfield, I think he's, he's been really good. Um, offensive line, like just before we move on and talk a little bit more about the defense, um, not a huge test against Louisiana Monroe. Um, for me, I, I think I'm at the point, I don't want to be too reductive. I just think I'm at the point where this offense, because again, I think Jaden Daniels at LSU is going to be the only other time that AM plays a team that has a maybe better quarterback than I think it's even or Wegman's better than every starting quarterback they're going to play against LSU. Wide receivers are, are, we don't even have to talk about how talented they are. Running back rooms, what it is. To me, it's just the offensive line. If the offensive line can be average to above average, Texas A&M has a shot to run to make a run here. Uh, if the uh, A&M offensive line gets Connor hit the way that they did against Miami, I, I don't know if Connor gets to the LSU game. So to me, that's that's the biggest that's the biggest kind of fulcrum about this team is, is what does that offensive line become? Yeah, and there were a couple of times where I saw ULM uh, try to go into some of that exotic stuff that Miami had success with with blitzes and especially coming from the corner position. Uh, but it, it's when it's not your forte defensively, uh, it kind of shows. And and you know with Louisiana Monroe, it's they were a solid Sun Belt defensive squad, but uh, there's kind of levels to this. And uh, you know trying to do something that other teams has had success with and maybe have a little more uh, talent there uh, is is tough to do. And uh, you know the offensive line played better on Saturday, but how much is that is how much of that is the opponent and how much of that is uh, you know, changes made. We're going to find out against Auburn. Yep, we're going to find out find out more against Auburn. We'll talk about that in, in a second. Auburn, not not world beaters, but definitely more athletes than than ULM. Going to be able to athlete, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So, yeah, I mean, I guess to me, not much more needs to be said about Louisiana Monroe. I was happy that they came out and and as we mentioned earlier, didn't play with their food, and this didn't turn into Texas Wyoming, right, where we still had to pay attention to it in the fourth quarter, you know, Wyoming's a better football team than Louisiana Monroe, but you know, my point. And so uh, yeah. to me, I, I, to me, that's, that's the biggest takeaway here as a former player. Is it, is it easier to to play that next game after a loss than maybe say a big win? Like, it, you know, we always talk about that in the media and like as fan bases, like, Oh, they're going to be up after they just lost that. Like, is that true? Like, is, is that something that you think as a player, like really comes to life or uh, how does that work? It's a, it's a bit of a catch point too, right? Cause college football is such a momentum game. I think that sometimes losing can either put a chip on your shoulder or it can be like, Oh no, here we go again. Sure. Uh, especially with the guys in the locker room, uh, having just gone through a season like this, you know, uh, that's, that's always a thought that's in the back of your head. Uh, however, I mean, again, like you said, it can be used in a positive way. And I think that they did kind of have that chip on their shoulder. Like, all right, we got to come out here and, and take care of business. Uh, you know, and in a lot of ways, I think some of the negative talk about the expectations of AM and, and the failure to live up to them uh, does kind of fill the guys. Uh, so in this case, it, it did feel like a, a net positive to kind of have uh, the energy off of a loss. Let's move into second down, start talking about this Auburn game. We're going to we're going to do this. We're going to do Auburn offense versus A&M defense and second down. Then we'll flip it and go A&M offense versus Auburn defense and third down. Uh, quickly though, you know they're going to play Auburn week four. Auburn comes in three and zero. They beat one FBS team that's Cal. They also have wins, so I guess two FBS teams, one Power Five team in Cal, 
Uh, say what you want about if that's power five or not. And then also they beat UMass and Samford. Um, so, you know, Auburn's averaging on offense 39.3 points a game. That's a little bit misleading uh, because a lot of that is against UMass and Samford. When they played Cal, they won that game 14 to 10. So, you know, the only time they've played a, a, a fellow power five opponent didn't get a lot of points there. They are averaging 5.18 yards per rush. Uh, only o- just over 210 passing yards per game. Pretty good on third down. Been 47.22 conversions on third down. Decent in the red zone. 12 scores on fir- 15 trips. Uh, kind of when you're when you're first kind of starting to think about this game and you're thinking about the Auburn offense. Kind of what what jumps out to you after three weeks? Yeah, uh, the Auburn offense. I mean, first of all, they're not a team that really impresses me a, a whole lot in the passing game. Uh, I think some of that is just kind of the quarterback situation there and, and kind of how things have shaken out with uh, Peyton Thornton transferring in and, and Robbie Ashford kind of on the bench there. Uh, there are some weapons, right? Mm-hmm. Like offensively, like a guy, in, and I'm kind of biased here, admittedly, uh, Jay Fair from uh, Rockwall Heath, Texas. Uh, <laughs> you know, as as a as a fellow Heath grad, I, I definitely want to see him do well, but he Name has Jay. done well. He's Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, he, he, he makes a lot of plays for those guys and he's a, he's a really good route runner, a really good underneath pass catcher that a going to have to worry about Cause I think that's kind of part of the issue they had against Miami, right. With, uh, Xavier Restrepo is, is a guy that's kind of a, a quicker dude under, uh, underneath and, and, and making plays. Uh, with that being said, I think Auburn wants to run the ball here. And I don't yes. think that's a secret. Uh, Jarquez Hunter is a great running back. Uh, and then you have Peyton Thorne, who wasn't really known for running at Michigan State, but has kind of become more of a runner at Auburn. And part of that could be the Hugh Freeze offense. But uh, with that being said, you know, it's AM, I think, has the ability to stop the run. I think they've shown that. They've been pretty solid at that so far through three games. Obviously, you know, part of that is Miami having a lot of success through the air. But Auburn will throw in some 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 kinks there. It's a Hugh Freeze offense. He likes to have a little bit of eye candy, uh, some trickery. So AM is gonna have to be very disciplined. And and where that discipline comes in again is you kind of have to hold back rushing the passer, uh, which is part of the issue that I think AM has in the passing game is not rushing the passer. So you add in all these factors, and it's it's a tough matchup for AM. Uh, but with that being said, I think they can force Peyton Thorne into making some mistakes. Uh, obviously, four touchdowns on the season, but he also has three interceptions. Uh, so he's averaging an interception per game. You know, if if you can take advantage of that and get the ball in positive field position and 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 uh, get your own offense going, then I think that's a big thing. And you know, I watched that game against Cal too. The other thing is Auburn had a tendency to put the ball on the turf. Uh, a lot of fumbles in that contest. Uh, so that that's another thing that I think the AM defense needs to look for is just forcing turn winning that turnover battle. And I think that they can against an Auburn offense that's susceptible to that. I am nearly 40 years old. I'm a man. I'm I'm almost 40. Uh for me, the Bobby Petrino versus Hugh Freeze like offensive like thing here is like beautiful, right? Like this is it's like being 20 again. I feel young. I, I these are these are cutting edge offenses back, you know, 20 years ago now. You know, they're probably more kind of middle of the ground there but yeah those just two just two like genius offensive minds like call back from from my 20s here this is going to be like when lincoln riley in like 20 years or something like that you know what i mean like he's like an oc somewhere because it didn't work out uh but yeah i i, I think for a&m 
this is simple, right? Like you stop the run, you win the football game. Oh yeah. That to me, that feels like a, as easy as it can get, because if you can make Auburn be a passing team, they're not going to be able to do it. You know, they only have one guy so far over a hundred yards. Cal was able to do that to an extent, kind of take away the running game um, for decent parts of that game. And, and Auburn just didn't have the ability to do it. I agree with you. Hugh Freeze is going to dial some stuff up here. You're going to see a couple of things that, that DJ Durkin hasn't seen on film yet get pulled out in week four for that. So you got to weather that storm, the script, survive the script. I always hear defensive coordinators talk about that all the time. Like you got to, you got to survive the script. So if AM to me can survive the script, can stop the run, uh, then I think they have a huge advantage. You seem pretty confident that they can stop the run. I guess I would push back a little bit and go like Miami rarely tried. Like they didn't really need to, you know? And so uh, if you're Auburn, you're going to, you're not going to just like do it a few times and then abandon it because the passing game's working and the passing game is probably not going to be working that well. I think they're going to run the ball 40 something times and we're going to see how well A&M can hold up to that. Yeah. I mean, I I would not be surprised to see that at all. Again, I I just, I think Robbie Ashford is a, a better running quarterback than Peyton Thorne. And so that's part of why I'm a little bit surprised, but I guess, uh, if you're looking at it from a standpoint of maybe Peyton Thorne gives you more options as far as throwing and running, uh, then that's why you stick him in there at quarterback. I just, man, I'm just not sold on on Auburn as a complete entity offensively. Uh, I just think there's still kind of some disjointed stuff there going on. And and again, this is part of why, and I think in our early season talks that we talked about how it's it's good for A and M that this game is early on in the season, because I think Auburn starts to gel a little bit more as the season goes on. Of course, I mean it's still going to be a tough game anytime you have one of these conference SEC games. Uh, and, and like I said, I mean the, the running backs are still very very talented at Auburn and uh, Demari Alston and Jarquez Hunter, uh, but I just I feel like A and M has enough talent on the defensive line and Auburn isn't overly impressive on the offensive line uh, that a and can take advantage of that and, and slow down the running game quite a bit and, and force Auburn to go to the air. Now, whether they can stop the passing attack is, is going to be another story. Uh, but I do think that this passing attack shapes up uh, not as good as Miami's. If AM will make them look as good as Miami's, that's another story. You're right. Um, and just for so people know the numbers, you know, Auburn's ran about 200 offensive plays, 120 rush, 80 pass, you know, essentially. It's a it's a little bit more or less than that. But you know, they're they're gonna they're gonna try to run, you know, three to two, you know, run run to pass ratio there with AM. Last year that was that was the big thing. I did a story over the week, uh last week about DJ Durkin's defense and just kind of under Jimbo Fisher what the defenses look like and where it's gone. You know, my under Mike Elko, three of those four years, you know, AM averaged or they gave up 3.65 rushing yards per attempt or fewer. You know, last year is 4.82, right? Yeah. So like it has to be better than last year with the amount of talent um that that's there. But I don't know if we knew it was going to be as bad as it was week three last year right like we kind of figured that out as it went on into sec play um so expect it like i I think if you're durkin you got to tell your guys like it's not just stopping it two or three times and they're going to go away from it like we're going to have to they're going to run the ball 40 something times this game like it's going to be about depth and and you would imagine they have that yeah that's the other thing too is i mean you know if if a&m can stop auburn and they don't get those that momentum going then it's going to be uh 
an, a good night for that defense. But the flip side of it is if Auburn starts picking up first downs, your defensive line starts wearing out, uh, you got to rotate fresh legs in in a hurry. And that's, I think, where the AM depth kind of comes in is the fact that they do have a lot of talent there uh, on the defensive line that can rotate in quickly, uh, you know, in order to spell some of the guys that get tired. If, like, like we're expecting from Auburn is a, a strong rushing attack uh, and, and them to go to that constantly. Because let me tell you, there's nothing more exhausting as a defensive lineman than when you get a team to like third and and medium and they run for a first down and they're right back on the ball. It is a miserable feeling. My UTSA Roadrunners uh, had that feeling a lot on Friday night against Army, the troops. They tortured us. Uh, six or six <laughs> on fourth down, did whatever they wanted. Also learned how to pass somehow um, over the yeah, years. The so. Army Air Raid. I guess they're going back to the uh, days before the Air Force split yeah. off from the Army. Uh, the head coach got like a six-year extension today or whatever, so beating UTSA is worth a, d- a decent amount of money now, which I guess that's that's uh, that's respect for, for, my, for my alma mater, right? You beat UTSA, you get an extension. That hasn't always been true. Uh, but yeah, it does feel like a you know an A and M team that if they can stay out of third and short, right? Like get Alabama into third and eights, third and nines, like win first down, win second down, uh, to stop the big play, um, do all the fundamental stuff right, right? I, I just this is going to be big. I, the linebackers need to step up, right? Like this feels like one of those games that like you know the second level plays well, tackles. Um, Auburn's going to just need. Auburn's going to need Texas A&M to not play their best game defensively for this thing to work because their offense just isn't there yet. Like yeah. they, they don't have that. Um, I think Auburn's going to get there with Hugh Freeze. I mean, I just trust in his ability to coach offense. I wouldn't trust him around anybody I care about, but I, I would trust him uh, with offense. And he's going to get Auburn figured out at some point. I think it's good uh, for A&M that they're playing them in week four. Uh, let's move uh, to the offensive side of the ball for A&M in, in third down. Um, Auburn's defense pretty good. Like that's that's the strength of their football team. You know, the defense tends to be ahead of the offense in these rebuild situations. If you're A and M, what are some of the things you're looking at? You're going into going, okay, this is where we need to win this football game. This is how we're going to win this football game. Yeah, uh, I mean, first of all, watching film, the first guy that jumps off to me is uh, Eugene Asante. I mean, really, really talented player for Auburn at the linebacker position. Uh, leads the team in tackles with 13. I mean, it, he's kind of the linebacker that AM, you know wishes they had on the stat sheet right where the he's a guy that's just dominant out there uh so wherever he lines up he's going to be one to watch but i think what it really comes down to you know there there's some times and I, I watched the sanford game where uh the defensive line from auburn wasn't necessarily getting the best pass rush if AM gets similar looks like that and and connor wegman has you know the time to throw down field I think AM has a real shot to to jump up early, uh, just with the big playability at receiver and 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 some of the weapons that they have downfield. You know, I think uh Cal doesn't necessarily have the vertical passing attack to threaten Auburn in a way that AM I think definitely can. Uh so that's kind of what I'm looking at is is just Wegman having enough time to get hit some of those down downfield balls because the Auburn defense line, while extremely talented, is kind of like AM's where they may be a little bit better against the run than they are against uh, Ed rushing the passer. Yeah, they're allowing uh, 12.3 points per game. They only gave up 10 to Cal, which is a pretty decent offense. Jake Spavadol is the, the OC out there at Cal. I know that's the name uh, that AM fans know. Uh, defensively, they're only allowing 3.44 yards per run. Like they're good, kind of their DTs, that linebacker you talked about, their safety is pretty good. It's the edges, the defensive ends, the corners, 
Um, kind of, I think that's where AM can attack this thing. What is your, do you think that AM needs to run the ball to be successful here? Or like, do you just abandon that at some point and just like let Connor Wegman cook? Like, are, are you at that position or does this run game need to be good to, to give that balance just to help the offensive line? You still have to have something to keep opposing defenses honest. Uh, now, I will say that there are ways, like we talk about, with using screen games and, and things of that nature to to create a run game when your run game necessar- can't necessarily get going. Like Colorado's uh, doing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, with that being said, I do think A&M needs to just kind of work some stuff on the edges. Right, like you said, attack those defensive ends, uh, get to the corners, and 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 make guys make plays on the edges. Uh, A&M has the speed to do that. I mean, maybe we see a nice Smith in the backfield more. Yeah. Maybe this is one of those types of games where uh, you give some two back looks. I mean, not personally as a defensive guy, I would not want to see a nice Smith and Ruben Owens lined up together in the backfield. But I mean, y- you give the opportunity to go either way on the edge uh, with with two players that explosive, and, and it gives defenses fits to prepare for. Uh, now, this is just me kind of getting hypothetical and, and saying what I would do as an offensive mind, but obviously uh, Petrino has a lot more. It's just, I'm, I'm trying to think of creative ways uh, to get a run game going when your offensive line isn't necessarily getting the push that you'd like. And to be quite frank, uh, they're not going to do that against the interior of this Auburn line. Like it, it's just not going to happen. So uh, they'll need to get creative and get some stuff happening on the edges. And I, I just think that, uh, you know, maybe some some more pre-snap motion, some jet sweep action, things of that nature are going to be what helps you get a run game going to keep Auburn honest. That way they're not, you know, just basically getting after Wegman every play. Yeah, use the wide receiver screen game. Evan Stewart, Noah Thomas should be back for this one. It sounded like Jimbo said earlier today at his press conference. So, you know, you'll have your full your you will have your full complement. Uh, of weapons, use that as your passing game. Use it to lighten the box and then run the game. Like I think we always think of football as you use it to run to set up the pass, uh, but use the pass to set up the run. Maybe it's easier to run the ball in the third or fourth quarter than it'll be in the first or second quarter. Really interested to see the script for Petrino. I just, if I'm, sometimes I feel like in, in football still we have this this thing where you like you need to run the football like we have to establish the run we have well no you don't maybe like over a season you do but like in an individual game sometimes you just gotta do what works and and I think Wegman's earned that like hey this running game's not working today let's let him throw it 40 something passes a game because like he he's proven that he can take care of the football for the most part uh he's proven that he can handle getting his you know, face busted in by, by a blitz and, and can make those decisions and stuff. And so to me, this feels like one of those games that if it gets bogged down, I would just five wide, let's go. Let's just, you know, yeah. this is, this is Connor's football game. Maybe makes it a little more Moose Muhammad too. I mean, yeah. as a guy that get that can, uh, you know, I, I think he came on towards the end of last season. We haven't seen a ton of them yet. I uh, felt like he featured in the game plan a little bit more against Louisiana Monroe. Maybe, maybe we see some more Moose Muhammad out there. Uh, you know, speaking of screens, he's a guy that can can take one of those screens and turn it into a big play in a hurry, uh, just with how shifty he is. But uh, no, I, I don't disagree with you there. Where you know, if if A and M isn't able to run the ball at all, and it kind of becomes obvious, just let Connor sling it around. Uh, and I think this goes back to to Bobby Petrino's philosophy, right? The feed the studs thing that we've talked about all off season. Uh, Connor Wegman is very clearly a stud, and uh, the other part of this too is. You know, if things aren't open downfield, 
he's probably going to have the ability to run a little bit. And we've already seen that he's willing to run a little bit more than he has in the past. Maybe that's how the run game gets going. Yep. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's not designed runs. Maybe it's uh kind of good coverage and, and Wegman takes it upfield, but you know, it's no matter how you slice it, it's an intriguing matchup because I feel like these teams are, are similar in a lot of veins. Uh, and, and it could make for a fun game. Obviously Auburn's going to be more leaning on the defense to keep them in this, uh, in this thing. Uh, and then A&M offensively, it looks like that's where the, the strength of this team is going to lie this year, but it, it really does feel like a fun matchup on paper. This is a little bit of a loaded question, but does it worry you that A&M's only a five point favorite at home and Jimbo's six year and Auburn's, you know, in their first year under Hugh Freeze and you're using statements like, you know, they're kind of the same similar teams, you know, like, like despite A&M recruiting their behinds off for like four, you know what I mean? Like it just feels, it feels like A&M should be beyond this, but they're not. And like, I understand why they're not. Uh, but it feels like this should be a game where we're not as concerned about a and winning it as it feels like we are, at least the, what Vegas is. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, I might feel a little more upset with this 10 years ago, uh, but with the transfer portal and everything, how it is now, it's it's pretty the, – the turnover on rosters make it where you can be successful in year one. I mean, obviously, Dion is the big story. Texas State has improved. Uh, Miami was one that got in the portal quite a yep. bit, and, yep. and they've obviously gotten better. Uh, three new faces on that offensive line, and then they were still able to give Tyler Van Dyke enough time back there. So uh, it's definitely a little bit concerning, but at the same time, it's like this this may just be what college football is now, where a new coach can come in and, and make a difference earlier than in the past. Yeah, I agree with you. If the first three weeks of this season has taught us anything, it's that the transfer portal is not the boogeyman. You know, like, do not be scared of the portal. Go hit the portal, get better. Um, I was at Houston TCU this weekend. It's like, how did Houston not go and get better in the port? You know, just um, so so use that um, unless you can recruit like A&M, right? Like if, if you're recruiting like A&M, like Texas, like Alabama, maybe you don't need it as much. Uh, but yeah, these new teams, that that old school clock of, oh, we'll give them three or four years and, and see what this team is. Like, that's no longer true. Like no. uh, year two seems like forever. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be uh it's gonna be an interesting one. It feels like I mean, again, it feels uh reductive, but you know, the the team that wins the lines of scrimmage in this one feels like the team that that's gonna win this football game, right? Like if 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 Texas AM can make Auburn be a passing team, um, they're not gonna score many points. Uh and it, and if AM can run the football, I think they're gonna score a lot of points. And so um kind of before we move into Ask Jay. Uh, what's kind of your, what's your feeling on this game? If you got a score prediction or at least like a, you know, it's a and M minus five, kind of like, where are you feel? What, what are you feeling? It's 11 AM kickoff in Kyle station, by the way, or Yeah, college, college station. Sorry. I combined the two. No, I hear you. College station, Kyle field. It all runs together. Uh, I think minus five is probably pretty fair. I think A&M wins by touchdown. Uh, I, I don't expect this to be as high scoring as the Miami game was. I think like a like a like a 24-14 or like a 27-17 type game, I think is a, a pretty reasonable expectation for this one because Auburn's defense is good. Like mm-hmm. let's be honest here. This is the best test defensively that AM has faced uh as far as AM's offense going up against another defense. Like Auburn's defense to me on paper is the best defense that, that the Aggies have played so far. Uh, so that I think 27-17 for AM just because I think they can jump out and get an early touchdown and force Auburn into a situation where they kind of need to rally and start throwing the ball around a little bit. And that, that'll give AM the opportunity to kind of 
uh, take the ball away and, and, and jump up further. Uh, so 27-17, I think, is going to be what I'm nailing down. 27-17, Texas A&M. I think that's a great point that you made, that the offense can help the defense here, right? If the, if the offense can score some points early and force Auburn into a track meet, that's going to help the A&M defense because that's going to make Auburn do the thing that they don't want to do. Yeah. Uh, and so that that's going to be important to that. That first quarter is going to be big just to set the tempo and uh, kind of the style of the play. I'm going to go 28-24 A&M. Uh, give me Auburn in the points, uh, just barely. I'll probably take the under as well. I think the under is 52 and a half, so that's 52. So I'll I'll lean towards the under as well. Uh, but yeah, in the SEC, it's just always hard to predict uh, big games like that. Still have some questions about A&M's ability to stop the run. Uh, we'll find out that a little bit more on Saturday. So that's the, uh, the wrap-up of the ULM game, plus a, a good preview there of the Auburn game. Let's get to the fun stuff in fourth down. Uh, the Ask Jay segment where we kind of kind of go off the rails. Sometimes it gets to soccer. Sometimes it's food. Um, I can't remember. Sometimes there's there's NASCAR talking here. That's, that's when I tend to snooze away. Uh, but just because I don't we'll make understand. a NASCAR fan out of you eventually. Yeah, one day, one day. I, you got a better chance with the F1 thing because at least it's not a circle. Um, but we'll we'll find that out. We'll find that out. I do like the draw. I do like the Netflix show, and I think that I will get into F1 when it's not dominated by one person. Yeah. Uh, I think that's been a barrier to my real entry. Every time I look down, the same guy's winning. Um, so that's difficult. Hey, not, not this weekend. Yeah, Singapore, I did see that. I did see that. I did see that. Not Carlos this signs. Yeah. Yeah. Ferrari. Ferrari, right? Completely yeah. ruin their, uh, their chances with their pit strategy. Going one day you down. will have to explain to me how a company as rich as Ferrari apparently screw like can't do time management it's like the andy reed <laughs> of f1 right where it's like everything else seems to be great like how can you not understand the clock and so uh one day we'll spend an ask jay on that one but this one we're starting off with uh what i think is a great question i should have written down who asked these questions i apologize i'll get better as we move forward uh favorite free appetizer at a restaurant right like for example, uh, Texas Roadhouse has that the the rolls with the cinnamon butter, or you know, you get chips and uh, salsa at a lot of places. Kind of where where are you going for the for the freebies before the meal? Yeah, the the rolls and the cinnamon butter from from Texas Roadhouse has to be very high up there. Yeah, uh, you know, free chips and salsa is always nice. Uh, but you know, kind of like takes it like a little step forward, maybe a little bit further is Gloria's. I don't know if you've ever had Gloria's. Like they do kind of like the bean dip. That's mm-hmm. like uh like it's like a black bean dip. It's super good. I think that one doesn't get talked about enough. Uh honestly though, man, I'm I'm probably gonna have to go with with Chewy's with the creamy jalapeno. I just like that dip is just super addicting to me. Yeah, that is a good that is do we know what that is? Is that just like ranch with some jalapeno mix in there? What is do you know what that is? Yeah, it's uh heavy duty mayonnaise, ranch mix, uh, and and some other stuff. I, I have some sources on that. Yeah. Are you, uh, you Chewy's over Trudy's? Man, I think I like Trudy's more. Uh, I, do too. But, I do too. I'm just going to say it. I do too. I, I do like Chewy's and it's nice to kind of, kind of just have like an average place to go out to eat. Right. Like people love to, to crap on like the mid cuisine like a chilies or an apple but sometimes right. you just want to go get something that's yeah. easy you know what's on the menu you don't want to have to think you don't want to have to look it up ahead of time that's perfectly that's, fine that's the most important part is like sometimes you just want something that you know yeah 
Like if you're on the road a bunch or you're meeting some friends and like everybody's got different like app, you know, it's like, well, everybody can get something at Chili's like grow up, order something from Chili's and like, let's eat some food or whatever. Uh, I'm with you there. Uh, Like I eat McDonald's pretty much every single time on the road, not because I think McDonald's is great is because I know the soda will be good and I like chicken nuggets, you know, and so like that, that's easy. That's easy peasy. Uh, They are consistent like a McDonald's in, in Hillsborough is as good as the one in Fort Worth as, you know, and sometimes you get to like, Dude, I, I will say the, the McDonald's that I had in Vernon on the way back from New Mexico was maybe the like one time that I've circled a McDonald's experience is absolutely terrible. No. And, yeah. And not, yeah. I guess not living some. up to the, yeah. yeah, there's always, there's always some out there, but uh, no disrespect intended. <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, I like low variance places. If, yeah. if I'm going with like chains and stuff like that, and you're right, like not every single time am I out of town, do I want to eat at like the, the thing that you're sending to through trip advisor or whatever, you know, it's yeah. like, I just give, I know I'm going to like this thing. I'm with you there. I'm going to throw in cheddar biscuits from red lobster. Ooh, good pick. Good I'm not pick. a huge red lobster guy. Uh, my dude, Brett Vito, who's the beat writer at North Texas, that didn't read record Chronicle. I swear to God eats red lobster every time he gets to expensive meal. Like if he's out of town, <laughs> like red lobster is his freaking jam. At least it used I think, to be. I think I of the dude it. from happy Gilmore. Yeah. He, he, yes, hey he shooter. Was, you yeah. want to go to red lobster? Yeah. Got coupons. That, that's Vito. He like freaking loves red lobster. Like no matter, like he was in UTSA for a game one time. Like, you know, where you want to eat? He's like red lobster. He's like we're in San Antonio, bro. We can go anywhere. You know, he's like, he's going to red lobster. It's on company dime. He's going to red lobster. The cheddar biscuits though. Worth the price of admission. I don't know if anything else is in that place, uh, but definitely worth the price of admission. That was one of my favorite things um, as a kid. It is hard to beat chips and in, in, in salsa, though, sometimes. What are your thoughts on warm versus cold salsa? I think it depends on the salsa, because I think I can go either way. Yeah. Uh, like a like a red, chunky salsa, I think, mm-hmm. is, is I, like it, I like it colder. But the smoother it is, I think the warmer I can have it. Uh, like, I've had some some like tomatilla salsas that are warm and I, I love those uh i'm not as far as spice level i like i like to have a little bit of kick i think that uh the spicy goes a little bit better with the warmer stuff too i don't know if it's just in my head like thinking spicy with fire and like making that connection uh but if it's colder i kind of like it to be a little more mild i, I it makes no sense at all but that's just kind of how my brain works are you a bit, I'm a, I am a spicy food. Like I love Indian food. I love Cajun food. Uh, I love Thai food. Like try to, try to hurt me. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like it gets masochistic when it, yeah, 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 yeah. Like I, I want to be, if, if I'm not sweating enough. a little bit, it's not spicy. Right. Like I get disappointed sometimes at it. Cause like at, uh, some at Indian food places, like it can be different based on the dish. So like hot on one dish can be like super, super hot. And then hot on another dish, like isn't as much. And like, I always am bummed. And I, I got to tell you a quick story. One time of I I'm white for people who aren't listening or people who aren't watching this on YouTube. I am white, like aggressively white. Um, and when I lived in Irving for a year, working at the the main office in Dave Gamble's, cause they let me do what I call a one year bid in DFW where they like forced me to go up there for a year and I like made nice. And then I convinced them that I could come back to Austin. Anyway, I was in a area of Irving that was super Indian. Like there was like an Indian food place on every single corner. The closest grocery store to me was a, was a bazaar. Like it was a very Indian. So like I had Indian food every single, like in every place. So I go to one and I order chicken tikka masala, which is kind of like my go-to first order at a new Indian food place. Like I good that, way to introduce yourself. Yes. That is my entry to a uh, Indian food place to see if I like it or whatever. And when I ordered that, the waiter looked directly at me and goes mild. Yes. 
you know, like with the question mark. And it was like, because I was so like, he just assumed that it had to be mild by the look of me. And I was so offended that I ordered the Indian spicy, right? Because like, I have an ego, I have pride and I, it was hurt. And so I was like, not only do I not want mild, sir, I want it as hot as you can give me. I had to call in for two days. Like I did not go to the office for like 48 hours after that. Cause I was in, I was in dire shambles. So check your pride <laughs> at the door sometimes at Indian food places, but it was really funny to me because I got racially profiled and, and that never happened. So the shoe was on the other foot there. Yeah. And, and then you turn out, you should have listened. Yeah, but, uh, exactly. I have been, exactly. There. I've been there where, where situations where my pride definitely gets the best of me. Uh, somebody makes a little bit of a challenge, like I'll be at halal guys and you know, the guy in front of me gets four stripes on his yeah combo platter and i'm like all right give me six stripes let's go <laughs> i think the competitiveness yeah. in me just jumps out at the most right. random and opportune times right. but what i love about those scenarios is the other person is in like no way at all a part of the competition oh no you know, like they're like they're like not even complete they're just like holy shit that dude just ordered six stripes like what an insane person right yeah. there no um, idea that he was the cause of it right but. exactly 100 <laughs> percent, just living their life um, the next one, I think this is a hilarious question. How much money would it take you to fight a live dolphin on live television? I don't know why we need to add the live television part. Like I like with or without cameras, this feels like a very dangerous endeavor. So where, where yeah. are you sitting here? Uh, well, here's the, the real kicker question is, uh, is it in water? It's gotta because be. If, yeah. No, because if it's on land then I, yeah, I like, I'll, I'll take money and, and <laughs> like my chances of surviving yeah just drop uh, like a people's elbow on it and stuff yeah, just, i mean yeah. like yeah. i think i could break a break a dolphin's jaw with a, a couple of well-placed kicks you know on dry land yeah uh, i I'm hope nobody be... clips that directly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that may be the best clip from the show so far <laughs> i could break a dolphin's jaw <laughs> what are you on uh and like <laughs> are we me. talking like a porpoise here like uh oh, you know like an amazon dolphin like the size of the dolphin makes a difference i'm not getting in the water with a dolphin no. let's be honest here uh because i don't win that fight like, if it's in water but on land I, I like my chances yeah uh your chances in water are about as good as as its chances on land um yeah. you know like that that's the i think there. i think it's chances on land are a little bit better honestly but, you think you think yeah. can't even breathe you just gotta wait it out you know what i mean like you that's just gotta point. you yeah, know but, i mean like <laughs> you want to get a fight of the night bonus i gotta land something <laughs> on the dolphin <laughs> oh my gosh uh it was great having this aggie warpad uh as soon as Peta gets a hold of this uh we're done we're we're absolutely <laughs> canceled i do one thing i will say i don't think anybody in the aggie faithful is going to turn us over to that particular organization so that is something that i uh appreciate uh, no there may be there may be a few aggies but uh for the most part not really a strong Peta presence right which is good uh, that's always a good you can you can judge a lot of things by their their Peta percentage <laughs> um <laughs> Then lastly here, uh, favorite Charlie Robinson memory. We didn't get to this this last week. RIP, uh, Mr. Robinson. Uh, kind of your favorite. You got a favorite song, kind of experience or memory of him? Oh, man. I mean, so I'm the Texas country Americana scene is kind of uh, my favorite type of music. And Charlie Robinson was, is one of the, the guys that kind of was who I was listening to at first when I first like started formulating my own opinions on music and not just going along with whatever was playing. Uh, my hometown is obviously like one of the best 
known Charlie Robinson songs. And I, I love that, you know, in the first verse, because you didn't hear it a lot on radio, but when he talks about like going to LaGrange and making some money on, on the new pipeline and then coming back home and spinning it all on pot immediately like mm-hmm. that, it's kind of a funny deal, but uh, I, I'm a sucker for murder ballads and uh, loving County is I think one of the, like you could make a movie off the characters in that song. Uh, and I mean, obviously, you know, losing, losing him is it's a, it's a big piece of the Texas music scene. I mean, he was an incredibly talented songwriter and, uh, you know, it's, I'm, I'm lucky I got to see him live at Troubadour Fest in, in college station, uh, earlier this year. So, you know, just thoughts and, and vibes with his family and, and everybody in the Texas country scene that's you know, been lucky enough to listen to his music and enjoy it. And I'm, I'm sure he's somewhere lifting a lone star and, and enjoying that. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, I'd say my, my favorite memory of, of Charlie Robson is the, the time, uh, I was reading a story about his song, John O'Reilly, uh, which is about a, an Irish boxer that comes over to the United States. Uh, and somebody made the comment that only a Texan could write a song about an Irish fighter, that uh mentions dover in the in the chorus uh but it's just a a funny geographical thing there and you know again just uh thankful to have all the music that i can still listen to from him as as one of my introductions to texas music yeah i saw him at uh chili fest like way back in the day back when i was like (laughs) in in college with george jones and and like they had kind of led a bunch of young newcomers kind of like do their thing all day and then they got up there and they're like there has not been nearly enough songs about drinking or leaving your wife uh you know and so we're gonna fix that like right now you know and then yeah. just like went on, on their whole set uh saw the broken spoke a couple times here in austin a- as well um just i'm a writer so i can appreciate any type of writing and the mother effer could write a damn song yeah. like like you said like you could make movies and books based on his three minute ballads and that is about as good of a compliment as you can give a singer songwriter yeah i mean you look at some of the other songs that you know people forget because like kenny chesney covered it it's a huge one el cerrito plays i mean like it's it's such a simple but moving art to to write songs that, that people get emotionally invested in and you know it's it's always a pleasure to have somebody like him in it and then also the fact that he's you know, kind of willing to take a take a bite out of himself too. I mean, he's got that kind of self-deprecating sense of humor that was always uh always entertaining as well. Yeah, didn't take himself too seriously, which is a lesson uh we could all use to learn um, still to this day. So Jay, anything else uh you got on your mind? Oh yeah, you're going uh you got a pretty big trip this week and i almost closed the book i almost landed this plane before we got to maybe the coolest part <laughs> of what's happening here you were on your way to state college yeah uh, tell, and, tell and the listeners about what's going on speaking of plane landings uh i will be flying up to let's, philadelphia let's hope. yeah <laughs> fingers crossed knock on wood uh <laughs> i will be flying up to philadelphia thursday morning uh i got an early flight 720 uh and what's, then what's am... the uh what's the arrival at the airport for a 720 flight dude so i i I'm a nervous flyer, but not a nervous flyer. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a nervous get through security and everything. So I'll probably yeah. get there at five. Yeah. I'm with uh, you, man. We're too much alike to be on a pod together. It doesn't really create <laughs> a lot of tension. 
Oh man, it's just like I I don't get bothered by flying at all because if if I die in a plane accident, it's probably gonna be quick. I'm not super worried about that. Yep. Uh, but missing my flight and then <laughs> losing out on money now that yeah. just makes yeah. me missing nervous. the opportunity to die on that flight not yeah. happening on my watch. That's for sure. Exactly. I don't like to be rushed. I just don't like to be in a hurry. Yeah, so I like to get get in early, get through, and then be able to sit at the gate for two hours, even though. You know, that's not really a necessity in this day and age, especially with like TSA pre-check and clear and all that stuff. Like I could definitely just pay extra and and go through if I wanted, but I'm just going to go through early instead. Uh, So yeah, fly into Philly. Uh, I should get there about 11 local time, I think, is is what the uh, itinerary is telling me. Uh, But then I get my rental. I am going to go to a Phillies game on on Thursday night, so that's exciting. Get my rental, uh, driving up to State College on Friday. Spending Friday night and Saturday night there for the whiteout. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a rainy night in Beaver Stadium, uh, which suits Penn State's opponent, unfortunately, because mm-hmm. they're playing Iowa. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the Brian Ferentz offensive, uh, you know, wonder, right? Uh, better score twenty five. Yep, better score twenty five. But uh, no, I mean, I'm super excited. This is a bucket list thing for me as a college football fan. The whiteout is is one of those environments that I've just always wanted to go to. Uh, and getting to fulfill that uh, fulfill that dream is is pretty exciting for me. So I'm uh, I'm pumped. I think it's like one of the few places that I'm expecting to rival Kyle Field as far as intensity and and, and just the noise and then the passion from the fans there. Uh, but yeah, I, I cannot wait. I am super excited. Plus, it's going to be a good game, I feel like. Two ranked teams, hard to beat. Yeah, as good of a game as, as Big Ten football can be. Um, I'm excited for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for you. Uh, you're right, though. I mean, that that is like one of the four or five places that can rival a, a Kyle Field experience, I would imagine. Um, so that's going to be pretty cool. You're running out of those spots. You're you're not You're not going to have too many of those those spots left in college football after that one i'm excited for you much like you i'm going to a a beacon of football uh frenzy fandom and that's baylor um <laughs> that's uh for i hope no bears listen to that and took offense to that uh, a little different than state <laughs> college it will probably be 50 50 texas to baylor fans if not more burnt orange just because baylor's one and two uh, and that one win was over Long Island, and that wasn't even all that impressive either. So uh, not sure what's happening in Waco there. Um, Texas is going. Here's an interesting thing. Uh, Texas, I have it written down right here. That's why my voice carried away there. Uh, with, with They're going to play Baylor, Tech, and TCU for the final time this year. A&M went through this same thing when they left for the SEC. That's 283 games of rivalries that are disappearing uh, from the state of Texas when, when Texas Baylor, Texas TCU, Texas Tech no longer play. I know that I'm in my minority here. I understand that uh, for some reason fans care more about how much money their colleges make than who they play. I don't I don't know when we became fans of business, but we are there where we brag online about how much our athletic budget is and how much money rich people make and get richer. Uh, right. But uh, I feel... Uh, like we have really like lost the essence of like what was great about college football in the state of Texas. And the reason that this has come up in my brain is because I was at TCU Houston over the weekend and it reminded me of how great the Southwest conference was and I miss it. And that's really all I wanted to say about that. Bring back the Southwest conference. I agree. Yeah. I mean, rice is good. Let's do it. Rice and SMU are about to be really good. 
Uh, let's let's bring back the Southwest Conference. I can say this on this podcast comfortably um, because I, I doubt many Longhorn fans are listening and, and going to hate me for saying this. I am growing very tired of the Texas Longhorns acting as if they're too good for a conference that they can't win. Like I I just don't I don't understand how this is already happening. AM fans did this too, and it and it absolutely killed me. Oh, the best the best SEC team AM's ever fielded was with Big 12 players. So I, I don't understand uh why we have to act uh the way that we do online. Uh but I'm screaming to clouds right now because it's gonna continue. Um so anyway, uh where so you're going to Penn State, uh Iowa. I will be at Baylor, Texas. Um, I think you have won this round of college football fandom. Yeah, I mean, definitely less cult operations uh, as far as, as you know, outside of the university uh, at, at Penn State. Because <laughs> uh, obviously, you know, there's there's a little bit of, of cultiness to Penn State. Uh, no it's similar to A&M in that vein. That's why uh, my co-host on the, the other podcast that I run, the Get Back Coach, he's the Penn State guy that I'm going up to stay with. We've called this the cultural exchange because uh, <laughs> he came down to A&M last year, yeah. experienced our cult. Now I'm going up to see that cult. Uh, but our cults haven't yet had a FBI showdown. Uh, so Baylor and Waco do have a speed on that count. That is true. That is absolutely true. <laughs> I'm going to stop there. Uh, just so we don't get in further trouble. Uh, <laughs> that was a fun episode there of the Aggie War Pod. We're getting more comfortable and comfortable because this is starting to teeter on more like a between two bears situation here than than, than I was planning towards. Uh, but that's probably good. Uh, good for the brand. Uh, please rate. Speaking of subs- Waco. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Waco. Uh, please rate, subscribe, five star, tell a friend. Really, that's really, if you tell a friend about the podcast, if you're listening right now, if you've made it this long, you clearly like this podcast, just tell a buddy. Push five star, tell a buddy, leave a review. Uh, let us know that you did so. Maybe we'll read it on the podcast or something like that. So uh, we appreciate listening. We've had a lot of fun doing it. We're about to get into uh, the real fun part of college football season. Uh, so help us continue to keep growing this. Uh, For Jay Arnold, for Mike Craven, for Dave Campbell's Texas Football and the Republic of Football Network, we will talk to you next week.